You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences through weekly topics expert interviews, and guided mindfulness meditations. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly in today's uncertain world, Mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate toward ourselves as well as others. Before we get started, I want to let you know that for the next two months, A Mindful Moment is conducting a listener survey to help us get to know you, your interests, and what you think of the show. As our way of saying thank you, you can enter to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the survey. Your feedback will help us improve a mindful moment and find new sponsors who actually interest you. Please support the podcast by taking our short questionnaire at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. There's even space at the end of the survey to tell me anything you want. Again, that's surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave or Click on the link in our episode notes. Thank you so much. Nita Bhushan is a cosmetic dentist turned three-time international best-selling author and world-renowned emotional health advocate. Additionally, she is the founder of the Global Grit Institute, a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest versions of themselves, and she is the host of the popular podcast, the Brave Table. I'm really looking forward to talking with her about her new book, That Sucked, Now What? Welcome, Nita. Hi. Oh my gosh, Teresa, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I know we had some we had some bumps in the road getting here between the two of us, <laughs> so I'm glad we finally were able to connect. Before we get into the book, I think our readers might be interested in what motivated you to go from dentist to emotional health advocate. Can you oh. share a little of your story? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, um, you know, to be able to write a book that says that sucked, now what? How to embrace the joy in chaos and find magic in the mess. I definitely have had many chaotic moments. Um, in fact, a lot of my uh, my early years, my upbringing has been hallmarked by a lot of chaos and kind of messy moments that uh, that that beautifully turned into magical ones. And the the you're you're talking about a very pivotal time when I realized that uh, I had thought I had kind of earned every pinnacle of success in my life. I was a cosmetic dentist. I grew up in Chicago. Um, you know, to immigrant parents, my dad was from India, my mom was from the Philippines, and I was the eldest of three kids. And you know, the 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 mantra growing up was, you know, education, legacy, pride, um, and that was a, a big thing in my family. But I actually had to, I became a care, child caretaker at ten years old, and so that totally shifted my trajectory in so many ways. I uh, had a lot of responsibility early on and ended up uh, losing both of my parents and my brother before I was 19. And so, you know, a lot of the the big messiness or the big suck uh, for me kind of catapulted because when I got into my 20s, all I wanted to do was recreate an identity fully. I didn't want to go into the darkness, didn't want to go into the mess and thought, hey, let me focus in on my coping mechanisms, which was overworking, overdrive, overachieving, and just really running, running, running. Um, because I would think that, okay, no one's going to feel bad for me. And I wouldn't have to feel bad for myself. And maybe even I can gloss over all of the big uh, stickiness uh, that I really wanted to hide from until I couldn't hide from it anymore. And that was at the pinnacle of my dental career. It was the pinnacle of me having a seven-figure uh, business practice, had people working under me. I wasn't even 30. So I had succeeded um, on all of those traditional checked-marked boxes, but I was not succeeding in my personal well-being because I was really living a lie. I was you know, um, you know, from the outside world, people thought, oh, wow, she had made it. She's like, gone over through this dark time, but I was actually in a very, uh, really unhealthy, toxic, uh, romantic relationship. It was my first marriage. And when I said finally no to that life on, and I very vividly remember this date forever etched in my imagination, December 31st on New Year's Eve, 2011. So that was 11 years ago. Um, I, you know, braved all the courage and, and, and mustered all I could to leave everything in that life. So the, the fancy everything to, um, packing everything I could in my car and, um, and, and, and slowly, but surely within that first few years, I would then unravel and leave my career of dentistry. I would sell my practice. I would say yes to all of these new opportunities and new beginnings and literally recreate myself yet again in a way where it was finally coming home to myself. And it took a lot of courage and a lot of healing and, and most importantly, a lot of asking for help. I appreciate you sharing that story because I think it's so common because it's instinct to try to avoid uncomfortable emotions and face your fears and do all of the things that you had to do. And I'm 
very glad you found your way out, but I hope that inspires others to realize they can too. I think the title of the book is pretty apropos these days as a lot of people are probably thinking that sucked, now what, after the past three years. Um, You provide great examples through your personal stories and your clients' journeys that I think readers will really relate to in the book. I want to start with why some of us are able to handle little setbacks, but not the big letdowns, while for others, it's quite the opposite. Oh, yes. Wow. Well, you know, I think that like any muscle, we have to cultivate it. We have to grow it. It's not... You know, there are some people who, you know, and I think researchers have have kind of demonstrated this, uh, two siblings can go through the same thing, the same trauma, the same hardship, and one can develop a mindset, a mentality of a thriving mindset, which means that they're flourishing, they take responsibility, personal responsibility, they're kind of growth center, they're kind of like, all right, how can I improve the situation? So they're focused in that trajectory. And the same sibling can experience the same you know, situation, but have a very fixed mindset as well as a very uh, victimized mindset. Like, why is this happening to me? Um, why me? It's always me. It, you know, nothing ever works out well. And, you know, sometimes, yes, it is biological, but again, it's, are we number one, willing and open to saying yes to the journey and saying yes to the journey. And one of the ways that I talk about in the book is how do you actually build your bounce factor? And in your bounce factor is part two of the book, actually, um, there are four pillars and the first pillar we kind of often shy away from, but is, you know, really appropriate to, to kind of look into is, well, what, what was your upbringing like? Like, how were you treated? Maybe we're taking that same scenario or the same uh, story of, you know, the two siblings, but was one sibling the oldest and one sibling the youngest, right? Uh, were you allowed to share your talks at the dinner table, your your thoughts and your opinions at the dinner table, or like in my home, uh, you know, the boys were able to say whatever, and I was supposed to be like prim and proper and obedient and, you know, kind of like this good girl, uh, quiet, right, submissive. And, and I think that, of course, would then relate to how you relate into the world, how you relate to your teachers, how you relate to bullies, how you relate to standing up for yourself. And And a lot of times we kind of gloss over our upbringing because either it was too painful to look back at, or, um, you know, we kind of just think, ah, I can recreate myself, but we don't realize that there's threads that kind of, you know, in the fourth grade, your math teacher said you would never amount to anything. So now you don't raise your hand anywhere, or you kind of are a perfectionist because of that one instance that happened in the fourth grade. And so if we're allowing ourselves to what I like to call uh, the second pillar, which is um, look into our current environment and see how we can slowly and incrementally add more good stress into our life. And, you know, Teresa, when I talk about good stress, I'm talking about uh, saying yes to some of these hard things, saying yes to leaning in to uncomfortable situations And I am asking you to put yourself into uncomfortable situations, especially if you have a tendency to not. If you're saying, oh gosh, I I avoid confrontation or "Mm, I'm not one to really speak my mind here. Well, let's look into that. Well, why is that? Ask 
Let's go down that rabbit hole. Ask yourself, well, why? And then go further than that and say, well, was there ever a time in my life where I tried to do this, but then I was shut down? And maybe I'm still carrying some of this lingering like uh, stuff that's sticky that may need to kind of purge up to the surface so that we can clear it and maybe ask a new question. But again, we have to be open to it. If it, It's so easy for us to judge ourselves. It's so easy for us to put the blame on other people. And that's what the difference, again, between someone who's thriving and someone who's constantly like stuck in that victim zone is the person that's thriving is asking, right? Like how, how could I have studied for this test better? Or how could I have approached this conversation better? Where the other person is kind of like, well, that person always does wrong to me. And, you know, for those of you listening, we probably have a friend who kind of is like addicted to their suck, who's addicted to the bad things that happen to them, right? And, you know, they come to us for solace. They come to us for, no, it's going to be okay. No, it's not that bad. Um, But maybe we can ask them like, well, was there ever a time where you thought that perhaps, you know, you could have also added to the conversation because many times that if they're open to it, that begins the self-inquiry and self-inquiry leads to the third pillar in building your bounce factor, which is your radical self-awareness, your RSA. And your RSA is kind of like starting the building blocks of taking personal responsibility when we begin to kind of lean into the uncomfortable emotions of, ooh, am I worthy? Am I enough? Well, that's kind of the underbelly of like, well, you know, she she hurt me this way. Well, what would, how, how did that person make you actually feel? And what did it mean for her to uh, not pick up your phone call? What did it mean for her to uh, slight you at the uh, grocery store? Well, it meant that I wasn't important. It meant that I didn't feel seen. And it also reminded me of I not feeling seen when I was a kid trying to fit in in high school. And so I think a lot of times when we do that introspection, it can lead us into really interesting places to then cultivate and have a sense of compassion for ourselves as we're building our bounce factor. That's so important. And again, I think everything, not only does it affect us in making decisions, But I don't know if everyone's really aware that if you haven't unpacked your past, basically, you're viewing the world through a lens that is based on those past experiences, right? Because everything's really subjective. And it can really influence uh, not just decision-making, but how you feel, even on a day-to-day basis now, because of something that you're still carrying from the past that you haven't really explored. And our minds are very different when we're 11 than as an adult, right? But we're seeing it through an 11-year-old's perspective or or experiencing it. Maybe we're not seeing it yet because we haven't looked, but (laughs) I think it's really important. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. So we've mentioned the name of the book several times, but what are some that sucked now what examples? So people really know what we're talking about. Oh gosh. Yeah. Wow. I have a whole list in here in the book and like part one of the book, but you know, that sucked. You got divorced right? You're now what can be that you started to, you know, go on a solo trip with your girlfriends or even by yourself, you know, that sucked could also be, wow, you just got fired. 
And the now what could be, well, I can finally actually, uh, you know, write that book that I always wanted to, or do that side gig and, and, and start that project that I've been pushing off. That suck could also be, wow, that relationship ended. I did not see that coming and I feel really awful. And the now what could be, well, maybe I can finally get that therapy and support that I always wanted and needed to heal my heart. That suck could be going through a loss. That suck could also be getting a medical diagnosis, even though you thought you were completely healthy and you've been doing everything in your power. The now what could be, okay, here's where I'm at. Maybe I do need to slow down. Maybe I do need to look into different modalities of healing. Um, maybe I do need to just take a pause and a break. Uh, you know, another now what could also be maybe I just need to take some time to myself. Uh, that sucked could be, you know, gosh, I didn't get that promotion that I wanted. The now what could be, well, all right, this really stinks. I worked really hard for that. And, and I was not, I was expected to be the first person to get that promotion. Well, maybe I can take a bath or maybe, maybe I can, you know, start journaling. Uh, maybe I can call a few friends over and really see how I can improve my resume. Um, you know, that sucked can be, wow. Okay. My family doesn't support my decision to not go into a career or, um, wanting to move away. And then now what could be, well, maybe you can finally have that, non-confrontational discussion with them about how you really feel. And so it can look in a variety of ways. And I use that sucked now what as honestly a mantra, a mantra to give you permission to literally honor yourself when you're having hard times, when you're going through hard times. In the first part of the book, I talk about a very quick exercise when we are, when we have a that sucked moment and we don't realize the now what? We're not there yet. We're, we're still in the, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that person did this to me. I cannot believe that we are in this right now. I cannot believe that you know my bank account only has X. Um, you're in the suck. And you know it's a great exercise to be able to move through and embody what is happening because most of the time we bury, we numb, we shove it under a rug. We're like, oh, I've done enough work. Uh, you know, the power of positive thinking, and I could just like lean into positivity. Well, no, I'm asking you to e explore that feeling. Um, yes, leaning to positivity could be part of the now what, but first we got to get through the the grime, the stucky, you know, the stick stickiness, the stuckness, the the stuff, the crud uh, that we don't want to look at. And we got to clean it up. And the way to clean it up is to actually allow it to come up allow the anxiety allow the you know the the anger allow the rage allow the tears uh you know i think that it's so uh stigmatized and tabooed to actually feel the feelings but in order to heal we have to feel otherwise the same kinds of situations are going to you know persist when we resist and so one of the ways to do that is when something big comes up you can actually use an anchor um you know and 
and put your hand over your heart. And that's this is the one way where we can instantly calm our nervous system because it reminds us to that four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old self where when we came home from a bad day, when we got yelled at from the teacher or bullied from a kid or didn't get the candy, whatever that was, we'd want an embrace from somebody that we loved. And you can actually be that embrace with this hand um, by just calming your nervous system. This is an, you know, a mind-body connection, but instead of ruminating all of these thoughts and going into victim spiral and going into the pity party of one, we bring it back down into our body, into our heart. And you can actually just say, acknowledge, wow, this is big. And you can just say the mantra, that sucked. Okay, that sucked. That sucked. Maybe you even start saying, that sucked. Now what? But whatever mantra can be that anchor for you in that moment, you select whatever flavor that is allowing yourself to give permission to feel, wow, that sucked. You went through that. I can't change that. I can't change my reality. I can't change that thing that happened. I didn't want it to happen. So we're giving that sucked reverence. And then we're also allowing ourselves to breathe because most of the time, Ah, we're not breathing. We really are not breathing. And that's where the mind-body connection is. We're thinking and we're overthinking and we're making stories up in our mind. We're making stories and beliefs in our mind of, oh crap, nothing ever good happens to me. And then we go into that. So this is a reminder, drop back into your chest, breathe, take one or two breaths, notice that you're probably not breathing in your chest and allow yourself to breathe into your belly and then see and identify what feeling or what emotion is coming up. And then say it out loud. Articulate that and say, I am feeling defeated. I am feeling like a failure. I am feeling jealous. I am feeling really angry right now. And notice, where do you feel the sensations? Most of us kind of clench our fists or, you know, grind our teeth or, um, you know, have these tension headaches or, you know, this here in your neck, these muscles get really tight. (laughs) Where are you tensing your body? Where does it actually hurt? Where are you feeling the overwhelm? Um, To take stock and notice that. And if you need to release, allow yourself to feel, allow yourself the tears to come, screams to come. And again, this whole practice, allowing yourself to scream or moan or you're activating your vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve literally runs from your head to your toes. It's the one nerve that actually like the embrace of your hand can calm your nervous system. So you'll realize like the crying actually helps release and 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 um, opens up the valve of your body, your energetic body to say, Woo, okay, I needed to let that go. Um, some of you can probably walk around or go outside, but to actually allow that valve, that pressure release button to say, Whew, okay. And some of you might want to scream into a pillow. Um, and literally this whole process can take about a minute. Um, and so, and then, and then we finally end by just integrating that and just breathing again, because what we really want to do is this is your ability to emotionally regulate. And this is so great when you're in the presence of maybe other people or, you can step out to the bathroom or with, with me having young kids, I go to the closet and I'm like, mama needs a minute. <laughs> Don't bother her right now. <laughs> mama has big emotions and she just needs a minute right now. And and this is also great for um, for doing it as a family because now when I look at my now four-year-old, we started this when he was 18 months and he's like, I'm having big emotions, mama. I'm like, okay. And then so he's like, ah. Ah, ah, you know, so then he'll start to breathe and it's, and it, and it's great. It's, it, it, it's great to know that you're passing that on to the next generation too. 
Yeah. And it's incredible because, you know, that's a fairly new phenomenon that parents are really tuning into the fact that children have big emotions and they don't know what to do with them. And, you know, years ago, it would be, be quiet, be a good child or whatever, but we never learned as young children, most of us, what to do with those. And I think that is part of the problem now is we're taught like, you know, be a big girl. Don't be a, you know, don't be a baby. Don't, you know, all those things. Yeah. Don't be a sissy. Don't be a sissy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think one of the areas that might be helpful is to understand maybe how we could increase our, I think you refer to it as audacious resilience. How can we increase our resilience or our bounce back factor? Yeah. So when I say the audacious resilience, what I mean by that is your unapologetic intention to focus in on the duality of your emotions. And when we're really, you know, I'm sure most of us thinking and hearing resiliency, the first thing that comes to mind is like mental toughness. And I've got to be tough and I've got to be strong. But if I would take you know, a a glass of water right now and hold it in my hand and I would, you know, release that glass and that glass is strong. That glass is holding my water. And if I release that, that's going to shatter into a million pieces, right? And then you could say, well, Nita, it was strong. Yeah, it was strong, but it's still shattered. Um, What if we took a, you know, basketball or, you know, a bouncy ball instead? Well, what are the properties of that bouncy ball? It's, it is tough when you hold it, but it has a little bit of a give. It has a little bit of the bounce factor, right? Which also includes it's soft. It also includes that it's agile. It also includes that there's a little bit of flexibility there so that when you release it, it bounces. And sometimes it bounces higher. And so what I'm requesting and, and one of the ways, the initial ways that you can build and strengthen your bounce factor is to start saying yes to these new opportunities. Start saying yes to look into your your the good stress. Uh, look at your environment, your current environment, whether it's in the people that you're hanging out with, whether it's in the books that you're reading, whether it's in the networks that you're um, visiting, whether it's the, the food that you're consuming. What ways are you actually complacent? Where you're actually saying, "Ooh, no, that's not that's not for me. I'm not. No, I'm not going to say yes to this." Or what ways are you actually saying, "Okay, that's going to be an edge for me, but I'm going to say yes to that edge," because saying yes to that edge is also going to help me grow. And we've seen this. You know, scientists have done these. You know, research studies that when we actually expose ourselves to good stress. It literally changes things in our DNA. It literally changes, you know, the brain waves as well in our brain to start providing new neural pathways to help with a different perspective in our thinking. And it just starts by saying yes to maybe a stand-up comedy class, yes to, um, you know, improv, yes to Toastmasters, you know, if you're really afraid of public speaking, uh, to literally cultivate these skills, right? So that's the first part of that. The second part is looking into your own emotional capacity to feel. And in that emotional capacity, what I'm talking about is, well, if you typically judge yourself for crying, or if I'm sharing some of these practices and you're like, you know, in the book, when I talk about the emotional 
uh, embodiment practice where I'm telling you to, yeah, dance, shake, move your body. There's like scientific benefits to that. But somebody in their most rational left brain will, will, you know, judge that and say, there's no way. I don't even like dancing. Well, shake, move, um, do some jumping jacks, uh, jump up and down, you know, pretend like you're a kid again and you didn't even care what anybody was looking. We judge ourselves so much for that. And, and I go back to that person and I would say, well, uh, well, what part of that makes you feel uncomfortable? What part of that, when did somebody tell you that that is not proper or that is not acceptable? Uh, where will you think now, you know, like doing a crazy dance or whatever to stomp out your emotions is definitely not acceptable. Uh, right. And so, I think that when we are okay to explore the edges of where we feel comfortable, that is one of the quickest ways to build the audacity of our resilience. And it also comes back to, all right, you know, saying yes to doing some of the hard things, doing some of, of the work. Uh, and, and, and that might be, you know, getting professional help that might be saying yes to a breathwork class that might be getting out of your comfort zone, going to that retreat that your friend keeps inviting you to, but you keep saying no. Um, maybe you do go visit that town that you've always wanted to visit and, and see how it changes your perspective about things. Because as we keep opening our eyes to more and new perspectives and taking stock in it, getting our journal out and actually writing out, well, how does this make me feel today? Do I really want to go to that thing that I was invited to that everyone's going to go to, but I don't know if I really, really, truly want to go? You could say no. Those are the tiny little ways that we can start cultivating audacious resilience. You just touched on part of this too, because you talk about the importance of self-awareness in the book which of course is a major component of mindfulness. And I'm wondering if you can explain to listeners how they can manage the conflict emotions that arise during tough times. How does self-awareness for those, I mean, I think anyone listening to this, they're working on their self-awareness, but how, how can they manage the conflict emotions that arise? Because that's really where, again, when we're facing those difficult emotions is when we have a problem usually and we back down. So when that big thing comes up that you could say yes to, if you're swamped with the conflicting emotions, what mm -hmm. do you do? Yeah. So, so this is great because in part three of the book, there's a whole chapter around how to fly forward and there's five steps to that. And so I'm going to jump over the first few steps because uh, you know, the first step is is literally having a falling moment, and that falling moment is a sucky moment, right? Uh, and and the second step is like you making that really hard decision. And that really hard decision is going to take bravery. It's going to take courage, whether you stay or you go. And you can choose to stay, but then those same patterns and people and situations and circumstances and setbacks will probably show up in different ways. Um when we get into the rising stage, when we get into that beautiful rising stage and that stage three, we are going to have conflicting emotions. We are going to be scared. And we are also going to have this curiosity layer. That curiosity layer may not be as big as the fear. But when we are actually just leaning into that fear, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna progress. So we we allow ourselves to feel that fear and say, okay, this might be excitement as well, because fear and excitement they elicit the same emotions in our body. 
but come from a place of curiosity. What is the worst thing that could happen? Oh, that you fail at this. And I kind of like to say, well, embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. That's why this book is not called Fly Forward. It's called That Sucked, Now What? It's literally to meet you where you're at, to have levity where you're at, to be able to make fun of where you're also at because building resiliency is also being able to poke fun at yourself. Uh, this is what stand-up comedians do so well. Um, and I think there's something that we can learn from the levity of sometimes the grad, you know, the big situations that take us down to be able to experience both sides that, yeah, this is so hard. It's kind of like when the stand-up comedian, if you've ever seen them, they'll take you all the way up and you're laughing and then they'll drop you back down and they'll talk about something so serious and you're like, whoa. And the really good ones that have mastered that craft, sometimes they'll get a tear out of you, but then they'll take you up again. And to be able to kind of flow in that full range of those emotions, that's the rising stage. That's where you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm skeptical about this, but I'm actually open because I'm skeptical. I don't know if it's going to work for me. But I'm actually going to lean into this openness that I feel because, hey, I've tried everything else and what what's another thing that I can try? So, and, and the only way to do that is if we're tuning in back into ourselves in a very quick way to really start building your RSA, your radical self-awareness. This is also um, in part two of the book in the RSA chapter, radical self-awareness chapter and the bounce factor um, section is you can do a body scan and a really quick body scan. We'll just do, you know, 10 seconds of this is, you'll, you know, you can close your eyes and you can just notice, you know, both feet on the ground and you want to notice maybe, you know, what, what feels different between your left foot and your right foot? And then notice when you put your energy into your right calf versus your left calf. Do you notice maybe a different sensation? Do you notice more tension there? And now bring up your awareness to your right shoulder. Do you notice any tension more in your right shoulder versus your left shoulder? How about your jaws? Notice, do you clench more on your right side or your left side? Or maybe not at all. Now draw your awareness to the front in between your eyebrows. And just release that pressure there. Notice where you were holding tension in your forehead. And when you're ready, you can just come back into this space. I did a very quick version of that, but that's a very good way to start building just a body scan awareness practice. Um, I actually give these out in free resources at thatsuckednowwhat.com under resources. So thatsuckednowwhat.com forward slash resources. And I think it's really, really powerful because if you are somebody that's new to this work, or even if you just need a refresher, or if you're like, actually, I like being guided. Um, it's great because, you know, then when you're starting to attune to your body, you can then know, well, how am I feeling emotionally? Is this really right for me? Yeah. Am I really leaning more into my fear-based emotions or can I try something new? What's the worst thing that can happen? What, what is this emotion telling me? 
Why am I getting triggered by this person? And then that way we can start, you know, doing that self-introspection work for ourselves. We use the body scan too with mindfulness meditation because that's really what it is. But I think a lot of people don't realize how disconnected they are from their bodies. I don't know if you agree with mm-hmm. that, but oh, yes. my body tells me what's going on frequently before my mind catches on because I am a, a gritter, right? So I'll notice that right away. Like, oh, what's what's happening? Then, it, then I pause. <laughs> so I actually do it backwards now. Instead of thinking at first, I feel it first. But that comes from a lot of that work of really connecting with your body and it's all there to serve you. So I think it's great. The examples in the book are great too, the exercises. So I appreciate that. Well, time is flying by. So I guess as we come to a close, I'd ask if you can offer our listeners any tips for how to begin the healing journey after setbacks, Mm -hmm. challenges, transitions, but like, what's the first step? Where do they start? Yeah, I I would just say the first step is saying yes to you, wherever the journey is for you, saying yes, saying yes to embracing the sucky moment, saying yes to allowing whatever emotion that you might be subconsciously even squashing down, subconsciously saying, ah, yeah, that was bad, but it could have been worse. Yeah, that was bad, but you know what? My friend had it even worse, so it's okay. These are all examples of bypassing. And you know, a lot of times um, in our industry, in our work, we kind of there's a there's a term that's called spiritually bypassing meaning that you've done a little bit of the work and because we you know don't want to allow negative emotions um to surface that we'll just choose a positive one because hey it's positive psychology and you know it'll take us out of our suck but i think i want to remind everybody that you know there are i know that the big fear is getting stuck in the suck right? (laughs) Getting stuck in the middle portion here, getting stuck in the suck. But we have to remember that what we do not feel, we don't heal. And we can actually do this with compassion. We can actually do this with ease. It's not going to be easy, but it can be easeful, meaning that yeah, when we're sitting in the underbelly or the cauldron of the anxiety or the overwhelm or the stress, you can allow it to come up and you can actually see it for what it is. Um, metaphorically, and we of course have have examples of, of how to actually do this practice yourself, but notice it. And that could just be the very first step is notice Wow, yeah. What do I do with my body when 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 these things actually happen? And if you do need that professional help, um, that maybe you've been denying, maybe, you know, and I think that going back to my December 31st date that was so important because for me, I couldn't do it alone anymore. I needed to tell somebody else I was going through this. I was literally struggling, I was drowning um in my own just suck. And that took me saying yes to telling the closest people to me. And there are angels around you, especially if you're going through a hard time. You know, do you trust that they could possibly be that pillar for you of support? And maybe you also say yes to coaching or therapy or finding healers and people around you that are going to be that container for you to fully express, fully share your rage, fully, um, hold you and support you in that time. That's where I would start. 
Thank you so much. And of course, reading the book is a good place to start, right? So you can get, even if you're not, even if you don't feel quite ready, just start exploring. And I love the curiosity factor because again, that's also part of our mindfulness practice. So I appreciate all that. Thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom today. Oh my God, Teresa, it was such a pleasure to drop in with you today and just pouring into your audience. Thank you. Thank you. And do you want to let listeners know before we go, is there any place else they should check out to know more about your work or your podcast? Yeah, well, definitely that sucked. Now what.com takes you all the way through, um, grab your bonuses. You can get the book on Amazon. And then when you screenshot your order number, we'll get you all of the goodies that we have. We have a 44 page color guidebook, um, to go through even some of the deeper exercises that we talk about in the book. And then a five day healing practice, which starts out with day one, healing our relationships, um, especially the ones with ourselves. And then yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, at Neetha Bushin as well. And and yes, I do have a podcast called The Brave Table. So we have these brave conversations to spark brave actions uh, in our life. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Oh my gosh, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me, love. One more time. Please support the podcast by taking the short listener survey at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave or click on the link in the episode notes. We really want to hear from you and thank you in advance. Don't forget, you can enter to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the survey. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like the Daily Meditation Podcast, Everything Everywhere, and Movie Therapy. We deeply appreciate your support at patreon.com, A Mindful Moment. Our podcast is now available to view on our YouTube channel, so be sure to follow us there and on Instagram at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee and or Melissa Sims. The Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. <laughs>